Hey guys, what's up? I have a couple good things for this feed, the cinematics installment. First of all, I have a quick review of of Stranger Things Season 4. I saw the first seven episodes. I'm sure a lot of you will binge watch it come Friday when it starts streaming or dropping onto your respected, respective Netflix account. So I I actually ripped the audio version of my YouTube video from of Stranger Things. I've seen all seven episodes. It is a spoiler-free review Nothing really details regarding the plot. I just give my reactions regarding Stranger Things Season 4, okay? There's a couple more episodes that will be dropping as far as this season goes. When you when you actually check out the series, you're going to get seven of, I believe, the nine episodes of the season. And I think the final two come out, I think, July, July 1st or something. I could be wrong on that. But check that out. That is later towards the podcast. First up, later towards the, the episode. Now... First up is my interview with Kyle Gallner. He is the actor behind this new film. Actually, it's not a new film. It came out in 2020 called Dinner in America. It stars, again, the aforementioned Kyle Gallner and Emily Skeggs. Both of them are fantastic in this movie. Kyle Gallner plays Simon. Simon is a punk rocker, pyro, in trouble with the law kind of youth who, yeah, he's trying to escape the cops. He doesn't want to go to jail. He's doing a lot of bad things and he's not doesn't have a lot of great friends or or he can't trust his bandmates, doesn't feel like he can trust anybody, fractured a relationship with his family. In the middle of trying to run away from the cops, he bumps into, meets this stranger called, named Patty, played by the aforementioned Emily Skeggs. Patty, like Simon, she's a bit of an outlier, meaning she's, she's an outcast, and she doesn't get, she gets bullied by seemingly everyone she meets, she comes across through in, in her high school or at the bus stop. She is being bullied, even with all that stuff. And, you know, her family is very eccentric. She doesn't really get along with her brother as well. As well. So, I mean, she's one of her big, she, one of her big uh, escapes, forms of escape is actually li- to listen to music. And that will play an important role. At least punk rock plays that music, plays an important role regarding dinner in America. And in this movie directed by Adam Raymeyer, R-E-H, M-E-I-R. Apologies if I'm mispronouncing that name. This movie reminded me of a movie that my buddy and our buddy Anderson Cowan would actually direct. And it seems to be a kind of movie that is right up his alley. This film reminded me of flicks like Harold and Maude, Bottle Rocket. I'm trying to think of what else. Bottle Rocket. Um, Yeah, Bottle Rocket and Harold and Maude and Napoleon Dynamite. A lot of these coming of age, really eccentric type of movies. And this movie is eccentric. It's crude. It's crass. It's hilarious. It's funny. It doesn't, and it's not politically correct. So you might be offended by a couple of the scenes in the movie, but just, you might not even like Kyle Gallner's character. He's not exactly Mr. Likeable as well. But I, in my, in my opinion, if you just stay the course and just enjoy the ride and have a little bit of empathy and humanity in you, you might really get all the some some of the gallows humor in this movie and just a punk rock aesthetic behind dinner in America. Okay, so my interview with Gallner, very cool guy, and I, he's an actor that I've really liked since I saw him. I think maybe 2015 or 2016 in a film called Band of Robbers, and I mentioned that during the interview. He's a very he's a very cool person because first of all, I have a bias towards cinephiles. This is cinematics, and yeah, um, this is Gallner would be probably. A, a person that would have been part of our whole cinematics Facebook group because he talks about, you know, in the interview, just 
when he was young, just hanging out with a good friend of his, his name is Jake Abel. Jake Abel is also an actor. And they used to go out at night and just buy bargain DVDs and bargain DVDs and Blu-rays and just stack them up and watch them. So he was very, very passionate about cinema, still is. He's very, very passionate passionate about this project as well, as you can, you will see from my interview with Connor in Dinner in America. Again, this movie, Friday, May 27th, if you want to actually support indie cinema, high marks for me. Hopefully, we'll get Anderson to see to see this, and he can probably pump it up over in, over on the film vault, and or maybe when I reunite with him sometime next month. Speaking next month, if you don't get to see Dinner in America in theaters, which I suggest you do again, hold on, I'm gonna cough. Check it out June seventh on digital and on demand. The, the, yeah, support your support independent cinema, but most importantly, support awesome movies. And for me. Dinner in America is an awesome movie. When it comes out on digital, I'm, I'm going to buy a copy. And if it comes out on Blu-ray on this region where I can, I think it's available on Blu-ray somewhere in Europe on region two or something. I don't know what region we are in the U.S., but if it's available, once it's available on physical media here in the States, I'm going to buy the digital and I'm going to also buy the Blu-ray. I love this movie so, so much. I'm going to stop brown nosing dinner in america i would love to hear what you think of the movie do you agree with me does the movie live up to all my praise or am i overrating this film again stars kyle gallner and emily skeggs hope they work together on a movie very very soon again just fantastic fantastic stuff oh you know what's you know it's weird it's hold on i'm looking yeah there was an air it was streaming on arrow on June, and I think that was for UK audiences. I'm look, I'm on the IMDb page right now, looking at it. But yeah, I think as far as its stateside release, it starts May 27th, and again on demand on digital. June? Did I say June 1st? June 7th. June 7th. That is okay. So after my interview, my interview with Connor is coming up right now, and then after that, stay tuned for my YouTube version or audio version this time. This time of Stranger Things season four. Would love to hear what you guys think about it. And love y'all. Thank you guys so much for supporting me and Anderson on this year's cinematics. Bye, guys. Kyle, I've been doing uh, interviews for the last thirty years, and I, it was it was so refreshing to see you earlier this week on Instagram, just talking about Dinner in America and how much this me- movie means to you. I mean, uh, it, you're, you're just putting your heart and soul online. Can you just talk about? There's so many movies out there, but why, from your vantage point, not just as a an actor filmmaker, but as a cinephile, why are these type of movies very rare, even with all the glut of material out there. It's, it's tough. I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, you know, people are, people are, we're, we're in a time now, I think where people are so, it's not desperate for content, but it, everything moves so fast. You know, movies used to be an event and you still have that, you know, but it, it's mostly like, Marvel movies or bigger movies like that, that have sort of become a very specific thing. Whereas before, you know, you definitely had more options in theater. And so movies felt like more of a a thing. I mean, I remember being like, Oh, I'm going to go see, I used to drive myself down to the arc light at like 10 o'clock at night to go see a movie by myself, you know, because I was like, Oh, this looks great. I want to see this. Um, So it felt like things were a little more catered. I guess uh, I'm I'm not sure and stream you know and streaming has changed things because it's now put so much content in front of people and they need to keep up that I feel like people are just really making making a lot of a lot of stuff um you know to varying degrees of success or quality or 
or, or whatever. I mean, you know, I'm not knocking anybody. Like it's, it's hard to make a bad movie. Like it's hard to make a movie, you know, even a bad movie. This it's, it's hard. So anybody who gets it done, like right on, but you know, I think movies like this are, are, you get that kind of lightning in a bottle thing where Adam wrote something that was extremely close to him. It was very, it meant a lot to him. These characters meant a lot to him, you know, and you can feel that on the page and that's just the first half. You then have to meet Adam. And if Adam like can't, can't put it all together, then it doesn't work. But there was just this wonderful connection of Adam being who he is and how thoughtful he was about the script and how thoughtful he was about these characters and how much he trusted me and how much he trusted Emily and how we were able to work together so closely and collaboratively to bring this story to life. You know, on set, you can feel that it's different. I've made a good amount of stuff and sometimes it's just a job and sometimes you're just working and sometimes it's fun, but you know, it's not going to be good or like, you know, there's, there's very different things. And this one just, just felt different. It felt special. The relationships that I built, the excitement of the crew being a part of it. Everybody was excited, you know, to be there. It was like summer camp. It was like six weeks of summer camp. And I think you feel that. And those relationships that I've built have continued offset, which doesn't happen that often. You know, it's not, it's not to knock other people I've worked with. People get busy, you know, and they have their own lives and they do their own things. And, you know, I would love to hear from them, but people get busy, but like me and Adam, we talk every like two weeks. (laughs) Like, you know, we, we catch up all the time. Me and Emily are really, you know, we're very close. I consider Emily a very close friend. And so I think, I think that translates to the screen and I think people feel that. And I also think they really relate to these characters and to the story in a big way. I think a lot of people realize they have either a Simon or a Patty inside of them, if not a combination of both. And I think, you know, they've really grasped onto to that when they see the film. And just you know, this movie on a, if someone's going to be very superficial, they're going to say, okay, well, this movie, the language, the situations might be crass, crude, might not be for me. Uh, the music, punk rock, might not be for me as well, or whatnot. Some some people might say this, but if you really dig deeper, do you feel, Kyle, the, the, the most punk rock thing about this movie is how two people people can show their real humanity without without all that saccharine involved? I think it's even more evil when you have movies that are actually are lying instead of this movie, which is actually telling the truth. Yeah, no, a hundred, a hundred percent. I, I, I think, um, you know, the language and things like that. Yeah. And, and especially the first 20 minutes, the first 20 minutes are really intense, you know, but the first 20 minutes are intense purposefully, you know, and I think, I think people when they watch the back three quarters of the movie don't realize that first 20 minutes because it's such a tonal shift. They don't realize that it's like that on purpose. We're supposed to make you sweat. We're supposed to make you uncomfortable. You're supposed to see the world for what it is. It can be ugly. It can be nasty. It can be, you know, Patty, people like Patty, you know, get on all the time. You know, it's like the world is still, as much as people want to deny it, the world's still racist, sexist. The world's still all of these things. A lot of that still goes on you know, and, and, and some people would rather put their head in the sand and not 
acknowledge that. Um, and the first half, 20 minutes of the movie puts that smack in your face, you know, and that will maybe turn some people off. And yeah, through the rest of the movie, I mean, I, I, I probably say 10,000 times in this film and, you know, it's, it's there, but, but deep down, it's exactly what you said. Like that punk rock mentality, I think on the surface level, people, there may be some people who will be turned off, but when you really watch the movie, it's unbelievably universal, you know, like, yeah, you may play football and not have a Mohawk, but I promise you, you have felt these things, these characters are going through at one point or another, you know, you have wanted to push back against the system or you have been, you know, on in your life, or you have, you know, you have a family that doesn't relate to you or, or something. And, and, you know, and these characters, you watch them go through it and you watch these characters that are usually sidelined characters, like the friend in a movie get to be front and center. And because of that, it becomes more relatable in a way. You can put yourself in their shoes a little bit easier than you can, you know, and it's not, it's not to like on anybody, but it's like, I, I don't know what it's like to be Chris Hemsworth. I don't know what it's like to be 10 feet tall and ripped and whatever. I mean, that's not to say he doesn't have his own problems, but I mean, in the way the world is now, people superficially, especially in a world of social media, they put themselves, you know, you're watching everybody's greatest hits. You don't realize that like, yeah, that trip that guy took was like eight months ago. And since then he's maybe been divorced or maybe like whatever. You're just like, man, if I could only be ripped on the beach, you know? So like you get to see these people stripped down with none of those things. And they are, unapologetically themselves and even by the end of it there's not this great change you know they're just still who they are and i think that's a big part of the message like be you and that's you know don't don't try to conform be unapologetically you kyle i've really loved your work um, for years now and i remember the first time i saw band of robbers i said okay so this lead actor I'm, I'm gonna, he's going to get this movie. I love this movie. It's a great indie. And then I, I'm going to see him in all these great leading man roles. And he's going to monetize his career. And in five, six years, he's going to be a, a A-list leading man. But that pick, my picture as a cinephile does not measure up to your awesome image of the guy who's going at 10, 10 o'clock at night over in uh, Hollywood's, you know, arc light watching a movie that means something to him. Can you just talk about those two, t- two different visions and why th- it seems that you, you said acting is a job, but it feels more like more than a job to you because you're that guy going yeah. to the arc light. When I say acting is a job, I just, I mean, certain, certain jobs can feel like jobs. You know what I mean? Like there's movies like this that feel like, Oh, this is it. This is why I do this. Like, it's collaborative. It's fun. It's, 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 you know, you're really, you're really in it. Sometimes you're servicing a project and that's fine too. Like when something feels like a job, it doesn't mean it's bad. You know, you're just sometimes there doing a job. Um, there's all different experiences, but yeah, I mean, I, there's so much about this industry that can be so frustrating, you know, so many gatekeepers, so many things that can just be so, so frustrating. Um, But when you get the opportunity to make something like this, that's the reminder of like, oh, that's why I do it. This is why I love it. 
these are, this is what I love, you know? And, and I grew up, I mean, when I was younger, I was just like, all I did was eat to, almost to an unhealthy extent. It was like eat, sleep, breathe, man. I was watching every movie. I was in acting class constantly. I was talking with like, I have another actor friend, Jake Abel, who we met each other when we were really young and me and him were just like obsessive about this. We would just be up all night, like watching movies, having conversations or like finding sales on DVDs and getting stacks of them and just sitting down and, and watching these, these things together. And like, we were absolute obsessive students about it. You know, we wanted to be those guys. We wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be DiCaprio and basketball diaries when I was a kid, you know, I didn't want to be spider or Spider-Man or whatever. Like not, not that that's bad. It was more like, I liked that stuff. You know, I, I, I wanted to <laughs> be the maniac on drugs as a kid doing it. Like, you know, I wanted to see how far I could push it. And as I've gotten older, I've learned to appreciate all sides of it where it's like, hell yeah, I would love to play. You give me Spider-Man. Let's go play. Cause you know what? It would be fun, you know, and it doesn't always have to be that intense. But when I was younger, it was that like manic obsessiveness that helped build me up into what I am. And I learned lessons from that because I took it too far or I was too much of one thing. And, you know, you shift and you evolve. And as you get older, those things change and you learn. And I think that's the coolest thing about this is there is no ceiling. You know, you can change up your golf swing. Like it, it, you don't have to do it the same all the time. And that's what's fun about this. And and as I'm getting older, I'm really getting more comfortable of relaxing into all of that and being like, it's okay. Like it's just gonna be what it's gonna be. And you're gonna you're gonna go and you're gonna do your thing and you're gonna put the work in and you're gonna go play. Just go play. Like that's what this is. You know, service the material and go play. Maybe I'm being naive or overstating the point, but when you have someone like you know, Emily across from you. Does it, you know, and and obviously you're a veteran, right? But does it kind of take you to another place creatively when you guys are are in those moments together, whether whether it's playing basketball or maybe it's, I don't know what the song is, Watermelon, or just when you have that that person um, beside you? It's, it's amazing. Emily's incredible. And, and I learned so much working with her because we really built this trust. And, you know, I've never had to play a character like this that is so elevated that there were times where I was like insecure about it of like, Oh my God, is this too much? What am I doing? And Emily was always there. She was just always there. You know, she was like the safety net. She had me, she always had my back. And, and I did, I, you know, I did my best. I would hope she would say the same thing about me having her, (laughs) you know? Um, And we really build a trust there that, it allowed us to play and have so much fun and those special moments in the film, like the watermelon song or having fun playing basketball. Like we laughed our asses off that basketball day of like, just, just the idea of like stuffing this poor girl, like with the basketball, you know, stop. We would just have so much fun laughing or, those like watching her sing the watermelon song was 
it, it became a truly special thing. Like you knew what you were watching was special. And I was watching Emily just be so vulnerable and so wonderful. And, and, and she's so good that you're really living in these moments and those moments really do affect you. It, 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 it makes the work easier, you know? And final couple of questions. And these are movie related questions. First off, you know, right off the top of your head, Kyle, can you name one of your all time favorite films? And what is it specifically about this movie that still to this day resonates with you? Oh my God. What an insane question. I apologize. I know it's a horrible question. So. One? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, yeah. You know what? Because I mentioned it, we can go back. I'm going to kind of do, like it was, it was basketball diaries in this boy's life at that time when I was younger. There was a there was there was a there was a turning point in my I guess career. You could say when I started, I started pretty young um, by pure dumb luck. I like I fell into it, and my parents were always supportive, and they would tell me to watch things, you know, things that I other kids weren't watching. Like they would let me watch whatever, basically. <laughs> and my mom one day brought home Basketball Diaries. It was like you should watch this. And I was like, why? She's like, you, you just should. And so I went down into my basement. I lived in Pennsylvania at the time. So there's basements. Um, and I popped it on and I had this moment of like, you can be that young and that good. You can be that young and do that. It was such an aha moment for me of like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, you mean, I don't have to be 30 years old and what, like I can, it, it, it changed my whole perspective on how I wanted to work and what it took to do it. And it, and it, and it like kicked me into overdrive of like, I'm going to work my head. I want to be that good. Like at this age, I want to do that. Like I want to do that. Um, so that was really a defining moment for me at a, at a, at a, at a young age. It, it really put things into play for me. And Kyle, final question from, from your body of work. I have a, for my other podcast, my co-host Bruce, he has this thing called what's in the box and he just has people, actors and filmmakers. Yeah. Yeah. What's in the box, right? Actors and filmmakers and, and just, um, and most importantly, listeners just give movie recommendations. He'll write it on a piece of paper, put it in a box and just randomly choose. So uh. I usually ask people to just choose a film, but what, you know, I, I'm looking at your body of work. I, I'm my, the next thing I'm going to watch is welcome to happiness from your, from your mm-hmm. resume. But what would you recommend to put in the box from your own body of work to in, in the box for Bruce? Honestly, this, I would say this. Okay, cool. I would, yeah. I would, yeah, I would say this. <laughs> and I would say throw dinner in America in the box. And, and and finally, can we ever get? Will this be on Spotify? The music because the the, the music is amazing. I, yeah, I think that's all being discussed. Um, all that stuff is kind of beyond my pay grade, but I I, I know it's being um, I know it's being discussed. Um, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it will. I mean, at the very least, I'm fairly certain the watermelon song will be. Um, but I have, you know, I recorded. I think there's like five punk songs there's this band called disco assault um are they i think they're out of windsor i feel terrible that i don't remember i think they're out of windsor but they're they're called disco assault they're a really cool um canadian punk band and they um they gave us the their music and we went and um 
recorded it and then they laid down scratch vocals and then I did all the vocals over it. And so all that stuff, everything in the movie is, is my vocals, Emily singing. Um, we, we, we did all of it. So that's why, honestly, that's why my voice is like super deep in the movie. Cause I smoked 10 million cigarettes and I had thrashed my voice doing all the punk music. The first like two days I got there. So the voice is like really deep. <laughs> yeah. Kyle really loved it in America. Um, thank you so much for taking the time out. Really appreciate it. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Hey guys, what's up? It's Greg Shruzavosti with the Deepest Dream YouTube channel. I also, this channel also houses two podcasts, Cinematics and Find Your Film. We're not talking about movies right now. We're just going to get right into it. Stranger Things Season 4. This is going to be a very mini review, spoiler free, meaning I'm just not really going to go over plot points. And I'm actually posting this video late, several hours before Season 4 starts over on Netflix. You're going to get this first you know, seven episodes. I, I was, uh, I got the first seven episodes, and looking forward to the last couple too uh, when they when they come out. I believe it's in July. I could be wrong about that, but uh, yeah, I'm just. I just finished the seven episodes. I binge watched it for the last fourteen, fifteen hours. I started last night. Just got done early mid afternoon before the premiere in several hours. But yeah, so for this review, you're not going to get any real spoilers or plot points or things that will make you really, well, some of you really want to know who the new characters are, who they're played by, how they fit into the story. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm not going to do it for this video. I'm just going to give some quick reactions, what to expect from season four. Is it good? Is it a disappointment? You know, et cetera, et cetera. First off, I think I'm, you're going to see from the YouTube thumbnail that I'm giving this season so far the first at least the first seven episodes five stars it just hits it hits on every mark first of all there's a lot of comedy in this even though obviously stranger things with whether you're living in the real society whether you're in hawkins or california or in a russian prison or wherever you are or somewhere in the upside down there's a lot of tragedy involved that said there's still a lot the requisite comedic value that you could get from Stranger Things, if you want, if you love Maya Hawk from doing her one-liners, that's there as well. You know, you're going to get some Maya Hawk monologues. You're, you're going to get a lot of comedy between, among a lot of the ensemble cast amidst all of the, the, the real dark moments. And, and look past a lot of reviews. I'm sure you've read. Maybe some of them are spoiler free. Maybe some of them are in depth. They, I think that the big go-to is how dark the season is. And yes, if, I would warn you, this could give, I'm not going to say it's going to give me nightmares, but there are some really nightmarish sequences because, well, obviously, if you're, if you've seen the first three seasons, you know how scary Stranger Things can get, right? But this one, for some reason, it, because of the antagonist, which I'm not really going to get into who the, what the antagonist is all about, where he, she, or it fits into the whole scheme of things, but this is a very, this is a very deadly, menacing, and just intimidating, I don't even horrifying, every single negative word you can throw at this antagonist. It's amazing to actually see. I actually, actually, one of my complaints for the season was, while I was watching the episodes, was this villain was not developed well enough. But as the story progresses, as you binge watch through the episodes, don't worry, you're going to get a fully fleshed out character. Be, that being the antagonist who uh, and I don't even know I don't even want to talk about how that person fits within the scheme of things within 11 within her friends does this 
being reach far into Russia or even Los Angeles? Or does this being actually just live within the upside down confines of Hawkins? You're going to, you're going to kind of find that stuff out by the time you reach episode seven. Okay. What else can I say without? Yeah. Why is this movie? Why is, I'm not, why is this movie? Why is this project? Why is this season four so far a perfect season for me? One of the things I really love, obviously, is the character of Eleven. And if you are a fan, if she is your one of your favorites, if not your favorite character from Stranger Things, you're going to get a lot of character development regarding Eleven. And she's obviously she's suffering from past trauma. And the season begins with a very inciting incident, which she is pretty much through most of her childhood kept under wraps. You know, like like we all do. We there's there's a maybe a memory that is long buried within our hearts and souls. And whenever we unearth them, maybe some, maybe the demons will come out or maybe some self-actualization, self-realization stuff will come out as well. You're going to get to really dive into the past as really pivotal event regarding the makeup of Eleven's character with season four. So on one point, I'm, I'm very happy because the, the, the seven episodes are really heavy on the character development of Eleven. Now, also, as far as just great performances, yeah, Sadie Sink, as usual, I loved her in Fear Street, love her in Stranger Things. Her character is fantastic as well, obviously. I don't even want to spoil season three. She, her character, Sadie Sink, her character, she's suffering from a, just a trauma from season three, which happened. And she's obviously in a very depressed state at the beginning of season four. But as the her character arc within there's just an amazing character arc within the season regarding how she has to face some of her own character flaws not not just flaws but just some of her just the traumatic incident that she had to face and does she get through with it does she survive i'm not going to say neither here nor there just know that sadie singh's character she's very very well developed in this season and I don't have all of the names here on my notes and I apologize you Stranger Things fans I'm not very good with names but she is out of all of this she I think her emotional arc along with Eleven's arc in season four so far from the seven episodes are the biggest standouts for me obviously as you know the production design is going to be great there's a ton of action in within these seven episodes everything is really perfectly blended it's just a great gumbo pot of just elements not one goes over it doesn't get too overly comedic too overly gross or sick or disgusting or nightmarish it's just a perfect balance also a really cool surprise and i don't know if you will agree with me on this there are a lot of really interesting moments and usually sometimes in a in a series you're going to get the main characters the bread and butter roles you know the the main people within the narrative of a series they're going to get the sorry for the noise for, with my computer they're going they're going to get the just the plum monologues there is a sequence in stranger things at season 4 i'm not going to tell you which episode but actually my favorite monologue or one of my favorite moments actually comes from a relative newbie within the ensemble so and Speaking of which, sometimes when, I don't know, sometimes when a series adds too many new characters, you're, you're, you're kind of wanting a little bit more. You just want the original back. You just want more time with the original. 
I'm sure there will be complaints like, oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have split all of these characters up there. Some of them are in Russia. Some of them are in Hawkins or LA. Or there's a road trip. There's a lot of, a lot of them are spread out. There may be complaints about that. I loved it because you just basically, we already know a lot these characters from that past three seasons. Okay. We, I, I love to, I would love to get all of them in a room together, but it's the whole idea about Stranger Things is actually exploring and seeing different things. And with season four, you get to see you get to cover as a viewer, you get to cover a lot of story with season four and the length time. I believe the last episode seven, I think it's around 95 to 98 minutes. That feels pretty much like a movie. And there might be complaints regarding the length of some of these episodes. Maybe a lot of there's too much plot shoehorned into these seven episodes. I loved it. I 75 minutes, 80 minutes. I don't care. Give me 98 minutes of Stranger Things. The more, the merrier. The more minutes you get of every episode, especially um, not season seven, episode seven for season four, the fact that it's 95, 98 minutes, I loved it. I, I wish every single episode of Stranger Things was 98 minutes, 95 minutes, maybe even two hours. I wish every episode of Stranger Things could have been a movie. That's just my take. I'm probably a minority regarding just that my absolute love for the series, especially with season four, because like a lot of people are saying, it gets really dark. The kills are gruesome. Okay. There are not, there are people, there are things that are, it gets very uncompromising. So while Stranger Things can be appreciated for, I'm a Generation X baby. So I, I grew up in the eighties. So for me, the initial draw for, for something like, for something like Stranger Things was not because of the horror element, but it was because of just the, the music from the 80s that I get to listen to. Most importantly, the actors from the 80s that I love, like Paul Reiser and Winona Ryder and Matthew Modine. And obviously, all of them do great work in the series. That was my initial pull for actually getting into Stranger Things. But as the seasons progressed, it's the story and the, the younger generation, the younger characters who continually continuously pull me in and wanting more i i'm a little bit sad I, I wish stranger things could go even past a season five but so far i'm not going to complain i'm so thanks to netflix for uh letting me as uh, you know letting me actually see the first seven episodes and review the first seven episodes of of uh season four of stranger things i'm going to look at my notes let me think what else to oh regarding the ensemble cast I'm not going to really mention specific, you know, there's Eduardo Franco, Mason Dye. There's a couple of other Joseph Quinn. I'm looking at these names, these actor names. They all do great work. And regarding the ensemble, the ensemble adding new characters for this season, every single incidental character, co-star or new ingredient, new actor that is brought into the mix worked for me. While just by logic, giving more lines and giving more moments to these people takes away from the moments giving these moments to the main characters i'm cool with it because they it's all really well written this whole seven seven episode uh, season so far is just really well written also another beef that i'm sure a lot of people a lot of guys have that i do have is sometimes when you leave off a cliffhanger on a on a streaming service and you're binge watching that cliffhanger or that final episode might make you actually really annoyed and frustrated because it's too much of a cliffhanger that you really want to see the next episode immediately. Maybe that's a good thing from the um, from the creator's point of view, but for for me, I just get frustrated. The good thing about by the end of season 7, uh, by the end of episode 7, sorry again, of season 4, I think you'll be satisfied. You'll be satisfied with what questions were answered and where the story takes you. There's some really great reveals that 
you're going to be completely satisfied. Of course, you're going to want to see the next couple of episodes, right? But not, it won't, it won't make you mad. It's just, you're going to be satisfied by the end of, of episode seven because some really big questions are answered. And again, the villain in this season is fantastic. Some, and again, and some of the supporting players and actually the supporting players in the series really shine and it doesn't actually make you miss the original actors and the original ensemble because all of the, these cats of character, basically everyone in this season, I think gets really good enough time and a good enough moment for them to shine. But again, it's Sadie Sink's character who's just really, really good. I, I just f- thought that was very resonant. And of course, uh, who, who doesn't love Eleven? So you're going to get a lot of Eleven backstory and you're going to get a lot of, um, I don't know, I was going to say something and I'm going to leave that out, but you're just going to get a lot of character ve- development from Eleven and it's going to, hopefully it will satisfy you because it really ties in what Eleven is feeling regarding towards the beginning of the season, towards the end, everything pretty much, at least in my opinion, really come into, um, really come, come into view. And I thought that was very, very satisfying. And I, and of course the Sadie Singh character who, uh, for some reason I'm spacing on her name. I, again, Stranger Things fans, sorry for that. She's fantastic in the work that she's given regarding her character arc as well. And are there any, I'm trying to think if there are any complaints Again, the only complaint was I wanted the antagonist to be more well-developed and scarier, but that complaint evaporated as the season progressed. Tell tell me what you think of Stranger, uh, Stranger Things Season 4 episode, uh, all these episodes. Tell, oh, sorry. Tell me what you think of, of uh, after you binge watch it, comment below. And yeah, you know, this was spoiler-free, so hopefully I didn't give away too much and I didn't go deep into the uh, nuts and bolts of what... Oh, one more thing. Growing up in the eighties, one of the, one of the cool things about and of Stranger Things is it actually makes me realize or makes me sad over certain music that I missed out on. There is one track by one amazing musician who I completely ignored it through the eighties. And even now at 50, 50 plus, I still ignored. So look, you learn, you learn a new thing every day. I'm just embarrassed that I did not listen to this person's music in the eighties. And his or her song is prominently featured in this season. And I'm so glad for all the people who will get to know this musician if they haven't already. And this amazing song, I added it to my Spotify playlist. But yeah, there's so many things that I missed out on the 80s, even though I lived through it. And shame on me for 40 years since, for not almost 40 years since, for not actually getting into this person's music. But yeah, there's a one one big song that is prominently featured in this. And I hope... You love it. I think you guys will know what song it is uh, pretty soon, and it's just fantastic. And I'll be playing this iconic song from this legendary musician time and time again. Tell me what you think of the song as well. Tell me what you think of Stranger Stranger Things Season 4 and all these episodes. Am I wrong? Are you disappointed or or do you disagree? Is it even better than I say it? Then I say it is. All right. Sorry for all this mumbling and jumbling. Find your film, Cinematics, which are my podcast. Check out. Please subscribe, like, and subscribe. Thank you so much if you got, got to this point and hope you guys like season four. Tell me if you love it or not. Thanks again, guys. Take care. Bye.